You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. This morning, we're continuing our series on Jonah. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been diving into this amazing character of Jonah who we all can relate to. And we can all relate to Jonah because we've all ran away from God before. Whether that's in a small way or a big way, we all run at times. And when we look at the story of Jonah, one of the things that we've seen throughout this story is that God called Jonah to do something very specific. And Jonah, instead of doing what it was that God told him to do, he ran in the opposite direction. That's another area that we can definitely relate to. But what we see in this story is that God is patient with him, that God doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to choose somebody else. Jonah, you're out. But he says, hey, Jonah, we are going to work through this. Uh, God sends a storm. God sends a, uh, a fish to swallow him up. And, uh, and, and the interesting part of the story here is that the fish pukes him out afterwards, right? So I don't know about you, but I just would love to see that live. Like, just like, what did that look like when Jonah got puked out onto the shore? Like, like man, <laughs> what an interesting image in the Bible, right? But uh, But Jonah gets spit up onto the shore, and that's where we pick up in Jonah chapter 3, where we're picking up today. And uh, and I can relate to this because each and every one of us has dropped the ball before. And Jonah's coming out of this season where he had just dropped the ball. He's coming out of this season where he had just ran away, where he had just messed up. And how many of you can relate to that feeling, right? That feeling of feeling like, man, I let God down. And I don't know about you, but I've dealt with this kind of feeling for my whole life, and it's something that I've had to work through uh, as I've gone along, because I grew up in a house that wasn't going to church regularly, but when they did go to church, it was a very religious kind of uh, mentality. And what I mean by that is that it was very much God wants to smite you if you do something wrong, right? And it was me sitting there a lot of times believing, right, that God was very judgmental towards me, that God was looking for ways to knock me down if I messed up. And it was just this mindset, right, that said, hey, I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, right, God wants to distance himself from me. And so throughout my life, as I became a young Christian at age 16, this was something that I, I struggled with, right? This mindset that constantly made me go back to, oh man, I messed up today. I've got to work back into God's good graces. I've got to make sure that, you know, I've, I'm worthy again, right, to be able to talk to him. And, and I found myself in this place where I was constantly trying to do good works to work myself back into good graces with Jesus. And, and it's interesting because that's not really how it works. But I remember I was in a counseling session with a counselor. I was about 19 or 20 years old. And I was dealing with this feeling of dropping the ball, of messing up, of not having it all together. And, uh, and I'm sitting there and we're having this conversation and I'm dealing with these things and I'm trying to work through this religious mindset that I had. And as we began to have the conversation, I can't remember his exact wording and I wish, wish I did, but it was a mental shift for me because he said this, he said, you have in your mind that your relationship with God is like your relationship with people. 
And you have this logistical, logical mindset because when you have problems with a person, that person distances themselves from you, don't they? That person cuts off the relationship. That person does something to make sure that you, know, you don't have access to them anymore. And that's how relationships work in this world sometimes, right? Yes, there's forgiveness, there's working through things, but the logical person as you have these moments, right? There's distance that comes in the relationship and you're viewing your relationship with God like your relationship with people. When you mess up, you think logically and your logic tells you that they will turn their back on you. When you mess up in a relationship, you feel like you have to jump through hoops to be able to earn good graces back. And, and, and he said this, he said, stop applying logic to God. Stop applying logic to God. Stop viewing God through the lens of how you view people. God is different. He doesn't operate in the same way that people do. He operates differently. Stop applying your logic to God. He's the God of second chances. And I'm speaking to somebody in here who needs to hear that this morning because you view your relationship with God very logically and you need to know that your relationship with God isn't logical in that way. And God is a God of second chances. He's the God who uses mess-ups. And I'm so grateful that our God is a God who wants to use us despite our flaws, despite our shortcomings, despite the moments where we've dropped the ball, despite the moments like Jonah where we've ran in the complete opposite direction, that he doesn't give up and say, I don't want to use you anymore. But he says, hey, I want to use you even more now. Man, I've got some great plans for you. I want to use you in big ways to make a difference in the lives of people. And it's amazing what God is able to do through a mess up like Jonah, through a mess up like you and me. And today, we're going to be diving into that uh, by talking about Jonah chapter 3. So if you would turn there to Jonah chapter 3 as we get into the text there, we're going to see Jonah's response here after he messes up and after he repents and he gets spit up by the well. It says here in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That's a huge verse. Let me tell you why, right? It seems like we can just gloss over it, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad that God is willing to tell us something a second time? Aren't you glad that he's willing to communicate with you after you got it wrong the first time? He's willing to come back around and say, hey, let me tell you that again. I don't think you heard me. Oh, yeah, I did hear you, God, but I just didn't do it. Okay, I'm going to tell you again, right? So here he is telling Jonah a second time. He's the God of second chances. He's the God who's willing to tell you something again so that you have the opportunity to get it right. He's a God who's patient with us. He's a God who's willing to tell you again. And the second time, Jonah gets it right, but God tells him this mission. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. So he tells him again what he told him in chapter one. He's saying, let's try this again, right? We've been through this. You tried to run. There was a storm. There was a whale involved. And here we are. You get a second chance, Jonah, to get it right. And every single one of us has been there, will be there, where God is giving us a second chance to get it right. But as I was thinking about this, I think what you and I and what you might be saying right now is, okay, this is just the story of Jonah. For some reason, God must have had some amazing grace 
for Jonah, right? He felt sorry for the guy. He got swallowed by a whale. So here he is giving him some extra amount of grace and mercy here. No, we see this throughout Scripture, that God is the God of second chances, and he uses mess-ups. Think about it, right? Let's go all the way back to Abraham, right? Man, Abraham isn't perfect, right? But he's the father of many nations, and God uses a man like Abraham who lies, right, to make a big, big difference. Going forward, right, Moses. Moses kills a guy, and then he becomes the leader of this nation, getting them out of slavery. And God's saying, listen, I know you messed up, but I'm giving you a second chance, and I'm sending you, Moses, to be the people who leads my people out of slavery. We continue, right, David. David's this guy, right, who uh, has this moment with Bathsheba, adultery, and then he kills a guy. And man, it's just this huge thing. And all of a sudden, God says, David, you're still a man after my own heart. I still have plans for you. And there's these moments throughout Scripture where these, these people that naturally, logistically, logically, you would say, man, they should not be used by God. They should just sit down and let somebody else lead. But there's nobody else to lead because all of us, we mess up. All of us have shortcomings. And so we find ourselves in this position where we're seeing in this passage God's extreme grace and his extreme patience. But what I don't want you to hear that sin is okay. What I don't want you to hear that God is okay with it, right? What I don't want you to hear that God is sitting there saying, hey, I'm just gonna forgive you, go ahead, do what you want. No, he cares a whole lot about us walking the walk that he wants us to walk, but he knows there's gonna be some times where we're gonna go far from it and we need to get back on track. And in those moments, there's so much grace. I love this passage from 1 Timothy, and this is Paul talking. And I want you to remember the Saul, Paul conversion. Saul is a guy who is intimidating, hurting, persecuting Christians, but yet God calls him and uses him to do some mighty things. But in this passage, he's describing God's mercy. He's describing God's patience towards him. And he says this, he says, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Let me tell you what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, do you see how screwed up I am? God showed me patience. He showed me kindness. He's using me in a mighty way, and he's doing it as a sign to you that he'll have patience with you as well. The patience that he showed to Paul, he'll show to you. The patience that he showed to Jonah, he'll show to you. And it's time to get on board with a God who's so patient and so kind with us. So it says here in verse 3, exactly the response that all of us should have when God gives us a second chance. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. I want you to remember this city that we're talking about, Nineveh, right? Man, this isn't the place that you vacation, okay? This isn't the place that you go and sit by the beach and, you know, splash around in the water and take your Instagram selfies and all that, okay? First of all, right, you don't want to go to that beach because I hear whales swallow people at that beach, okay? So you don't want to go there. You want to go somewhere else. But secondly, the people of Nineveh are dangerous people. They are evil people, and if you look at the history of the Ninevites, right, not only are they evil, I'm not talking like evil like 
uh, you go to New York and, you know, you bump into somebody and they spit on you, okay? I'm not talking a New Yorker being mean to you like that, uh, you know, giving you signs and things like that with uh, their fingers. Uh, not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about torture. I'm talking about you coming to their town and them torturing you to death. This is what the Ninevites are like. This is what these people are like, and yet God is sending Jonah there to offer them too a second chance. He cares about them. He wants to see them fall in line with him. He wants to see them repent and turn to him. And this is God's plan for the whole world. Guys, he wants all people to fall in line with him. He wants all people to turn to him. He wants all people to do that. And we're seeing this by the message that he tells Jonah to preach. So Nineveh is a very large city. It took three days to walk through it. And it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I want you to listen here to his message, okay? That's it. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown, right? Shortest sermon ever, right? I guess he didn't have enough light in the belly of the well to write a longer one. So, you know, that's his message, right? He jumps in there hey, 40 more days and Nineveh's going to be overthrown, right? He jumps on his little pulpit, right? Gets his papers. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And that's it. That's all he's saying. That's all he's doing. And I want you to realize that there's a little bit of hesitancy on Jonah's part. He doesn't want to be there still. He doesn't want to do what God has asked him to do, but he's doing it. He's being obedient, but he still doesn't want to be there. But this is a good thing for us to see because there's some things at times that God's going to call you to do that you're not going to feel equipped for. There's some things sometimes that God's going to ask you to do that you're not going to really want to do in the moment. But when he calls you to do that thing, it's important that you show obedience. It's important that you stand up and do what God has called you to do because it's more about obedience than it is what you say. So let's use evangelism, a church word here, as an example, right? And what evangelism is, is God has called each and every one of us to go and make disciples. What does that mean? It means to go and evangelize. It means to go and tell the good news to people about Jesus, that Jesus died for them, that he rose again, that he wants a relationship with them, that their sins could be forgiven, that they can have a new life in Christ, right? We want to tell people that that opportunity is out there for them. Well, when it comes to that, let me tell you what happens. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary to think about evangelizing to somebody. It's scary to think about having coffee with someone and sharing your faith with them because what if they come back with a question that you don't know the answer to? Well, let me give you a little secret, okay? Google, okay? It's called Google. We all have it now. People didn't have that back in the day. A little harder, but no. Let me give you an even better answer. It's not all on you. It's not all on you. Stop acting like the weight of this person's salvation is on your shoulders. It's on the shoulders of Jesus. He's the one who carries the weight of somebody's salvation, not you. He's just asking for you to be obedient. And we could see this in this story because all Jonah says is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the whole town gets converted and comes to know the Lord. Right, all, everybody turns and repents and turns to God in the story. And all Jonah does is, 40 more days and it'll be overthrown. 
And that's it, right? That's it. And God uses him. If God can use Jonah with this little message that he gives, he can use you. He can use your loving moments at the store, praying for somebody who's having a tough day. He can use your moments of telling somebody, God bless you. He can use your moments of praying for somebody, giving to someone, helping someone. He can use every one of those moments to bring somebody to the Lord. He can use You, if he can use a mess up like Jonah, he can use every single one of us. He can use our minute things that we think don't really make a difference. He can use them to make the biggest difference in the world. Are you willing? Are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to stand up? Are you willing to do what God has asked you to do? He used Jonah in a big, big way. But it says here, as I said, the Ninevites, they believed God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. And he made this proclamation in Nineveh. He says, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink So he fast, he calls a fast, he calls for them to pray, he calls for them to repent from their evil ways, and he says, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth, let everyone call urgently on God, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. So he's calling the people to turn to God. And friends, everybody in this town does this. It's amazing, it's the biggest conversion we see In scripture, thousands and thousands of people turning to God, turning away from their evil ways. It's amazing. It's amazing Jonah's ability here as a prophet. This is every prophet's dream to have this many people respond to the message. This is every pastor's dream, right? To have this many people in one place respond to the message and turn to God. And Jonah gets that. He gets that opportunity. But this is what the king says in verse nine. It says, who knows God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. He says, you know what? I know Jonah's saying that in 40 days we're going to destroy this town. I know that in 40 days things are going to be a mess. I know that in 40 days, but, but maybe, maybe God will relent. God will change his mind. And friends, I'm so glad and so thankful that we have a God who changes his mind, that we have a God who relents. He's a God of justice who has to bring justice upon us, but he doesn't want to bring justice upon us. He wants to bring us forgiveness. He wants to bring us grace. He wants to give us the second chances. So there's grace and there's truth. And when it comes to grace, that's what God wants to offer us. And we see in this passage, right, there's a a, a wonderful passage that says, that God desires for all to be saved. He desires for all to be saved. So you're saying, man, uh, those evil people halfway across the country, right, that 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 we struggle with, man, how about them? God loves them. God wants them to be in relationship with him. How about these people that, man, were mean to me whenever I was growing up? Man, God wants them to be in relationship with him. He wants to save them. He wants to relent and not give them what they deserve. He doesn't want to give us what we deserve. He wants to give us forgiveness. And he's working to reach out to us so that we'll fall into a relationship 
with him and surrender our ways. But in verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. What a God of mercy, what a God of grace that we see in this passage. And he's that way for you and for I. So let me say this, what can we get out of today's passage? What can we get out of this passage? I think number one, there's somebody in here who's dealing with this very thing. God, you could never use a person like me. You can never use a person like me. I've messed up too bad. And I want you to know that anytime you think that thought, now or in the future, I want you to look at this passage and see how he used Jonah. And I want you to remember that God is the God of second chances. That if he could use Jonah like this in this passage, when Jonah still doesn't have it all together, that he can use you. That he can use you to do some amazing and powerful things, whether you have it together or not, as long as you surrender and you're obedient to the Lord. Two, I think it's important to realize that God, the same heart that he has for the nations, for people coming to know him, that we should have that same heart. That same heart of forgiveness and second chances that God has for people, we should have that heart of second chances towards others. So are you a person who's willing to give second chances? Are you a person when somebody hurts you or somebody off in the day, are you willing, doesn't mean you have to be back in relationship with them, but are you willing to give second chances? Are you willing to have the heart of God in that way? Third, I think it's important to realize that God wants us to be on mission in bringing the good news to others. We see he wants to use Jonah in this way, and he does. Are you willing to share your faith with others? Are you willing to use the minute sentences of your life that you have in your heart to share with others? Because those minute sentences might make a huge difference in the lives of others. Those are three takeaways from today's passage that I think are huge and I pray that God would imprint them into your heart and begin to use you in some big ways. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.